0: You really have everything here on Long Island. Good restaurants, still a lot of wide-open spaces, uh, beautiful beaches, um umpteenth sports teams to root for, and access to New York City. That's Michael Dwidziak, or Mike D. Mike's a political
1: pollster who's worked prominently in the area of environmental protection. He's also a Long Islander for life. But there's one place on Long Island
0: that he doesn't love. When you drive up there, you know, you will, you know, you will see, see the plant. And it's, 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 it's sort of eerie. I mean, it's sort of eerie looking. This is, I mean, I always thought the building was scary looking to begin with. You know, the images, you know, and with the concerns about nuclear power, it became almost a scary kind of image in people's minds. Um, now that it's deserted and just sitting there, uh, you know, it, it really is its kind of a, an eerie, you know, kind of, almost kind of image when you see it.
1: I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we venture out to Long Island. Not for the beautiful beaches or the Islanders game or to visit Billy Joel, but to explore a gigantic, ominous, seafoam green nuclear power plant. Five billion dollars in the making. And to learn the story of how it became Mike D's least favorite place on Long Island. That's after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. This is a big year. The mid-20th century was this time of enormous optimism and excitement. World War II was over. The economy was booming. Babies were booming. Science was booming. And in 1958, America's first nuclear power plant was opened in Shippingport, Pennsylvania.
0: In his address dedicating the Shippingport Atomic Power Station on May 26, 1958, the president of the United States said, This plant has a secure place in American history. It is the first of the world's largest. Michael
1: Dewidziak remembers the excitement around nuclear power, or atomic power, as it was called back then.
0: I mean, I remember when I was a kid, you know, taking a family driving trip across country and stopping at the, you know, this is a nuclear power plant. I was like, wow, this is great.
1: By the 1960s, there were already dozens of nuclear power plants being planned and built, including a nuclear power plant on Michael's beloved Long Island. The $75 million project was led by the Long Island Electric Company, or LILCO. And they decided to build the plant in the small village of Shoreham. The site was right on the ocean, which the Shoreham plant could use to suck up water and feed its cooling system. But things Pretty quickly started to go wrong with Shoreham. For starters, the experts went back and forth about whether the location was actually right, so Lilco didn't even break ground on the plant until 1973, the year that it was supposed to be completed. By the late 1970s, the cost overruns and delays had continued to pile up. By this time, Michael Dowidziak was in his 20s and involved in local politics. And at that point, his childhood excitement about nuclear power had cooled down.
0: I had done enough research at that point to know that this was really not a smart idea.
1: The costs of the plant were coming close to a billion dollars, even as the public largely ignored the project. But that changed in 1979.
0: It was an accident at the Three Mile Island nuclear power plant. There was a geyser of steam that was uh, raising up in the air. And exposed approximately 2 million people to radiation.
1: The Three Mile Island incident happened in Pennsylvania, but it sent shockwaves across the country. And suddenly, the public was paying a lot of attention to nuclear power.
0: People started now to say, well, maybe nuclear power isn't as safe as we thought it was.
1: There was a wave of anti-nuclear power protests from the Capitol L-R-U!
0: L-R-U! L-R-U! L-R-U!
1: all the way out to Long Island.
0: People who darted to oppose the plant were a bunch of basically ragtag idealists from the 60s. I mean, you know, like they were all chaining themselves to the fence and getting themselves arrested.
1: As people lined up against nuclear power, politicians followed suit the federal government created stricter regulations for nuclear power. Suddenly, this half-built plant at Shoreham had to be retrofitted to meet new
0: safety measures. which caused this this plant to just go, you know, kablooey as far as the cost is concerned. But in one of
1: those weird, arcane governmental twists, one that involves property taxes and a bunch of other things we're not going to get into, Michael's boss, the county executive, actually switched sides and decided to support the nuclear power plant. Michael remained a
0: critic. I was a true believer in you know, in opposition to the plan at that point. That's when I had to uh, basically find another home. I had to find somebody else to advise.
1: That somebody turned out to be ragtag idealists.
0: Uh, Fortune actually just put me together with um, one of the uh, leaders of the anti-shore clued group, um, Uh, We just a mutual friend put us together and said, look, you know, you're doing this all wrong, but you're not winning the hearts and minds of the voters. And if you win the hearts and minds of the voters, the elected officials will follow.
1: Around the same time, there was an investigation into the mismanagement of the plant's construction. And still, the power plant inched across the finish line in 1984, 11 years late and $5 billion over budget. There was just... One last formality. They had to run an evacuation drill.
0: The evacuation plant became a very, very big stumbling block.
1: See, Long Island is long and thin. It has millions of residents and just one highway off the island.
0: Anybody who's ever been on the Long Island expressway during rush hour you know, on a regular work day, knows would know the impossibility of all of a sudden three million people were trying to evacuate Long Island.
1: Experts concluded that it would take up to thirty hours to evacuate Long Island, that there would be traffic accidents, that cars would run out of gas, that they'd be abandoned on the side of the road.
0: And then of course you had the people who lived east of the plant. What were they supposed to do? You know, like swim for it?
1: Because of these concerns, the state and county governments flat-out refused to participate in an evacuation drill. And this puts Lilco, the builders of the plant, in a tough spot. They can't run the evacuation drill without police and emergency services, which means they can't get a license, which means they can't turn it on. Yeah. The stalemate dragged on for more than a year and was partly broken only when the federal government stepped in to issue Lilco a special license to run at 5% capacity. The Reagan administration wanted to make an example of Shoreham and show how industry could triumph over protests and red tape. So with the president's backing, FEMA came on board to help facilitate an evacuation drill without the involvement of the state or local governments. The plant was powered up at 5%, And it seemed only a matter of time before the plant would be running at full capacity. But then this.
0: There has been a nuclear accident in the Soviet Union and there is speculation in Moscow that people were injured and may have died. Chernobyl happens. And that was really, probably really the sea change.
1: Chernobyl was a nuclear disaster like the world had never seen before. It's actually still difficult to estimate the total human toll of the accident. There were somewhere between 30 and 50 direct casualties, but estimates from the UN suggest an additional 4,000 people might have died from radiation exposure. The number could actually be much higher than that. The plant and surrounding towns were all evacuated and abandoned for decades. And that was not a risk Long Islanders were ready to take the dwindling support for the plant completely dissolved. And finally, reluctantly, the federal government withdrew its support.
0: But when they realized it was a political uh, third rail and they, they just couldn't see a step on it, the National Republicans said, all right, this is a bad idea.
1: With no one left in its corner, the Shoreham plant's fate was effectively sealed. And since it was now an enormous, multi-billion-dollar useless structure, New York State made a deal to buy it for just $1 and began the decommissioning process. The last of the radioactive material was moved off site in 1994, at which point the plant was considered fully decommissioned. Sadly, Long Islanders are still paying for it today in the form of a surcharge on their utility bills.
0: Am I happy the plant is operating? Yes. Am I happy that, you know, the power of the people actually prevailed? You know, in a very unlikely scenario, yes, you know. Um, you know, but I am saddened by the fact that the, you know, the, the the people of Long Island ended up paying for it.
1: The surcharge will remain in place for another
0: decade, at least. And the
1: plant itself, the physical building, it's still there. And Michael Davidziak. Still sees the plant fairly often.
0: Actually, there's a, a very fine, um, highly cigat's rated restaurant right up there, I'm sure. And you you know, when when you drive up there, you know, you will you will see see the plant. And it's 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 sort of eerie.
1: There have been many proposals about what to do at the site, but none of them have come to fruition. And the organizations now responsible for the Shoreham plant could not confirm for us decades later what, if anything, might be done with the site. A park is one excellent and obvious idea, but Michael has his own plan.
0: I mean, clearly people who live up there with expensive real estate right on Long Island Sound would love for it to be go away. But sometimes I say maybe it should stay there as a questionary tale. Our podcast is a
1: co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was reported by Matt Hickey. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney, Manolo Morales, Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tindall. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. And I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll see you next time.
0: Witness Docs from Stitcher. Listen to new episodes every two weeks and make sure to follow us so you never miss one.